Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next edition of Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub, here from the beautiful Attention Era Media Studios in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan, a good Tuesday to you, sir. How are we doing today? Doing great, Baxter. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Survived the weekend. Was able to catch a little bit of uh, MLS and NWSL action among all the other broadcasting uh, things I had going on, but it was a good weekend to have overall. How about you? Fantastic weekend, Baxter. Celebrated my 16th wedding, wedding hey, anniversary hey, hey. with my wife. Very we, uh, exciting. Actually went on a small camping trip. Okay, enjoyed, cool. Enjoyed Oktoberfest in New Glarus, Wisconsin. And yeah, couldn't ask for a better time than that. Well, good. I'm so glad. It's glad to hear that you had a, a good weekend on your 16th wedding anniversary. Well, we are excited for our show today. We have two of the four NWSL playoff team coaches joining us today. And the other two will join us on Thursday. We've got Portland Thorns' Mark Parsons and Washington Spirit Jim Gabra joining us uh, here in the first and second segments. We'll get to both of them here in just a moment. But we do want to remind all of you, of course, that you can find the show on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time right here on Spreaker.com. And, of course, you can find more information about the show and the show on demand by going to our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com, and by going to iTunes, iHeartRadio, Vavil USA, and the Sports Podcasting Network as well. You can also find us on Facebook, 2upfront in the search bar. You'll find our show page there. You can also find us on Twitter at 2upfrontsoccer, at Baxter Colburn, and at Simon Provan. Well, Baxter, as you had teased at the beginning of the show, we yes. are very excited to welcome back to the show the man with the Midas touch when it comes to NWSL teams fresh off of the NWSL Shield win. Mark Parsons, head coach of the Portland Thorns. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me back on. Yeah, we're excited to have you, Coach. It's a, obviously a very exciting time in the Rose City with uh, the Thorns winning the Shield and uh, the Portland Timbers as well trying to, to fight their way into MLS playoff contention as well, too. So I'm sure Portland is just buzzing, but we want to focus on the Thorns today. Today's a big day for you folks, obviously, and you've got a good game coming up this week as well when you take on... Uh, you've, you've got a big game this weekend when you take on Western New York Flash, of course, on Sunday. A team that you know kind of snuck into the playoffs a little bit, but a team I'm sure that you have probably told your ladies already you can't laugh at either. I'm sure. What's what's been your message about Western New York so far? Well, Western New York are a very uh, talented group. They've got a great roster, a uh, young roster that has been you know amongst some of the best players uh, at the college level and now proving it at the professional level mixed in with some great experience. Uh, they've caused 
you know, a lot of teams' problems. They're the, they've often been one of the most, um, you know, the fastest and most athletic teams in the league. It's hard to play against a team that, that is direct the way they are and they press high. Um, you know, we've had two good games against them that I think helps us, and we've also played them recently. Uh, that, that shows that we know, you know, we know them well, and you know, the vice versa, they know us well. So they're they're, they're a very good team, and you know, they're probably one of the most dangerous teams in the playoffs, and, and it will it will be an incredibly tough match for us, and potentially, you know, probably game of um, game of the playoffs. You know, no matter who makes it to the final, I mean, the, these two teams here, uh, Flash and the Thorns, probably two of the most powerful and um, exciting teams that have, have played this year. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, with Lynn Williams being the golden boot winner in the league now and Jessica McDonald also scoring last night, and she's been a threat all season long. How do you contain two dynamic players like that, Mark? It's the same as when you play every team's going to have very dangerous players, and you, you've got to do it as a team. You have to do it together. You, you can't, can't rely on uh, individual matchups. It's not The league is too strong to do that, and the players you're playing against them I think we've set a foundation of always trying to defend together, defend with numbers, whether it's pressing high, whether it's um, in wide areas or whether it's in low areas and around the goal. We we don't want players to get isolated and we want we want to be able to defend together just the same when we have the ball when we when we attack and dealing with dealing with the best players on New York that can cause problems would be no different to any other teams that we've played and until we've done an okay job uh, most of the time and sometimes it's been exceptional and we now we're going to need an exceptional day on, on Sunday. Talking with Portland Thorns head coach Mark Parsons on the shopfutsal.com line here on 2 Up Front. Coach, one of the things that NWSL does is just a one-and-done sort of playoff style. For MLS, they have the two, the best, you know, the best of three series basically when it comes to the the semi-conference final sort of style of play. Is that something you would rather have uh, in the opportunity in case you were to potentially lose on Sunday, or are you fine with the one-and-done sort of format? This has only been the experience that I've had, and um, I think that you know, the structure of the league and what it is is it's been it's been set up this way for the reasons that those those people make the decisions. Um, have made and uh, for us we've had a lot of games this season where the pressure has been on uh, I feel like we had four or five games in the middle of the season where it was top of every team we played it was you know they were top or, or it was a top of the table clash so I feel we've been in a lot of pressure games and then recently with mm. three home games in a row pressure was on us to, to do well and then we go on the road to Sky Blue, and, and even after a you know a strange goal that we conceded in the in the fifth minute, um, team showing great resilience and, and confidence to to do what they need to do. So, yeah, it's a it's a structure that that is going to um, be be very uh, rewarding or or very painful. And for us, I think we've taken each game. You know, the same way. We we want to win each game. We want to perform really well in each game. And, you know, every game has been so important to us. So I think this week, the only difference this week is, that, you know, a lot more people talking about the one game. We uh, internally here, every single game, it's has the maximum importance to us. The preparation is the same. The details are the same. And, you know, we, uh, we're ready to kick off the, a great training week this week in preparation for it. 
Well, speaking of structure, Coach, you know, you look at the great game that Betos had, uh, Nadim had, of course, Ellie Long with some fantastic goals, but you, you look at the structure of your team, you've got five players on your team that have scored five goals or more. Already mentioned Nadim, of course, Christine Sinclair in there, Ellie Long as well. Did you structure the team to be able to spread out the goals so you have threats from all over the field, or was this just a case of happy happenstance? Well, we structured the team to, to be able to be dangerous for sure, and you want to be dangerous in multiple positions, but also in, in multiple phases of the game. You, you want to be able to be dangerous when you build. You want to be dangerous when you're counterattacking. You want to be dangerous on set pieces. And you know, just looking at the goal scorers, I think that sums up um, what what has made us a very good team this year. Everything that I look at, statistics and and some of the key games, shouts team and and teamwork and um, players being unselfish. We've got multiple goal scorers, like you said. We've, I think we've scored the most set pieces in the league, and set pieces comes down to the teamwork, and it's different players, different players scoring these set pieces. Um, we've been superb on the road, which I think is often uh, a testament to the team's togetherness and character. And and we've also um, pulled out some massive results when we had, you know, we had seven Olympic players missing, but also we had three injured. You know, during one of our uh, important games this year when we won 1-0 at home to Seattle, we were missing 10 players and we pulled out one of the biggest results of the season. Um, and then the game before Seattle, you know, we got a tie. We, we had two clean sheets. So our defensive record, whether it's Michelle, whether it's AD, whether it's been the, the back four that played on Sunday against Sky Blue or it's been a back five that we played against Seattle, whoever stepped in, set pieces, scoring, stopping goals, Everyone has been um, unselfish and, and committed to the team in, in performing at their best, and and it's best. You know what? It's more rewarding any result when you see players do that and you see staff doing that, all working towards the same goal. You know, and we we put ourselves in a good position, and and, and now you know, well after proving, I think we've been successful over these twenty games. Now we've got to prove we can be successful. You know, in this this ninety minutes, and and we'll be ready for it. No, speaking of doing so well, you've set a club record this year, 12 wins and 41 points, so it does speak, obviously, to that structure we were talking about. Uh, on top of that, I'd just like to ask, so you, you're down 1-0, you know, this last game, I don't want to overlook that game much, but you're down 1-0 to Sky Blue. You get the goal in the 40th minute, a great restart kick from Tobin Heath that Ellie puts in the back of the goal. You know, what do you say to your team at halftime when you're drawing 1-1 at that point? We don't often get dragged into the emotion. I used to do that a couple of years ago. I used to be, you know, live by the moment and and um, be emotional. And I'm saying emotional in a good way or and sometimes in a bad way. We had objectives in the game. Half time, it was a review of those objectives. And also, was there anything new that we wasn't expecting that we have to solve? And we're one one. I think that in the beginning of that half against Sky Blue for twenty twenty five minutes. We had complete control and we were dangerous. The final 20, 25 minutes, we had control, but we wasn't being dangerous. Secondly, they, the counterattack we knew was coming from them. We wasn't doing as good as we could to deal with that counterattack. That's what led to the corner, which, would, which led to us getting caught out. So, you know, we reviewed the objectives that we had. Was there anything brand new, which we didn't think there was, to, to manage? And we go out and we continue with you know, with the with the tasks at hand and believe in what we've been doing and that you know, I think this stage of the season, some some coaches, some teams are you know, it can be a nervous time and, and 
I've been in those positions before when you don't know what your team is, you don't know really your identity. I mean, we're in a different place. We do know. We know we know what we want to do. We know how to do it. We know the teams very well in this league. Um, sometimes you, are, you get caught. There are surprises when you get to game day. Most of the time there isn't. But we, feel, we feel good. And I, I think being in this place and feeling comfortable in knowing what we want to do and how we want to do it, now our energy and our focus is, is, is on execution rather than you know, figuring out what we need to do and how to do it. We, can we execute what we, what we know works? And, and, and this week is in preparation. That's what it's going to be about. Awesome. Well, Coach, we really wish you the very best of luck as you take on Western New York Flash. Of course, you can catch that game on Sunday, October 2nd at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1. So definitely a marquee matchup to be highlighted on a marquee network as well. Coach, we wish you the best of luck, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again in a couple of weeks as the uh, 2016 NWSL champions, Portland Thorns. Thanks for taking the time today, Coach. We appreciate it. Thank, thank you, guys. Great coverage. You always appreciate it. Take care. Thanks we appreciate so much, you. Mark. Have a good one, Coach. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we head over to the other team that has the home field advantage. We go to Washington Spirit and talk to their head coach, Jim Gabriel. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back after this. Welcome back inside the studio. Two up front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. We move all the way from Portland to the other side of the country to Washington. Or maybe we don't do it, do we? I never remember geographically where these teams are located. Washington yeah. Spirit, they're in D.C., aren't yes, they? Yes, they okay, are. That's yes. what I thought. Yes. I was like, wait a minute. As soon as I said it, I'm like, wait a minute. But I'm like, I've been doing this for how long now? I promise. I know what's going. I've only had one cup of coffee today, so that's probably why I'm a little Yeah, just, just little to clarify, frazzled. it's it's Seattle. That's in the state of Washington. Right. Washington Spirit is it's from so D.C. so confusing. So confusing. I don't know. Either way, we get to go. Uh, we just heard from head coach Mark Parsons of the Portland Thorns. Now we get to go to the Washington Spirit and talk to their head coach, Jim Gabra. Coach, welcome to Two Up Front. How are we doing today, sir? I'm good, guys. How are you? Oh, we're doing well. We are excited to have you on a big game upcoming on Friday as you guys take on the Chicago Red Stars at 8 p.m. Eastern time. You get the home field advantage after uh, you just lost to the Chicago Red Stars 3-1. to one. A little, You, you kind of got an opportunity, though, I feel like, to really focus in on who you were playing. When you went into that game against Chicago, did you think that you were going to have to see them again in just a, a couple of a days later on? Uh, we actually expected to see them a couple of days or a week later because uh, if we had won and won the Shield, we would have probably been hosting them. So, um, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's difficult 
part of the schedule. We looked at that part of the schedule at the end of our season and, uh, you know, looking at our goals. Uh, we, we didn't want to be chasing points and having to play those, for those games to get into the playoffs uh, because we had a very difficult Western New York team at home. Then a mid, midweek game with Seattle, and then we had to travel to Seattle, and then a break, which always throws things off as far as your rhythm. And then we had to go to, to Chicago, which is a difficult place to play. So, Quite the gauntlet. Holy um, cow, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, every team had to do that, the three games in eight days, but um, it was a difficult, you looked at our schedule, and it was like, you probably shouldn't expect to get too many points out of that part of your schedule. Sure, so sure. It was uh, a great job by the staff and the team to, to get home field advantage earlier on in the playoffs, and as bad as we did, wanted to win the Shield. Um, you know, the, the, the goal here is to win a championship, and, and the, the secondary goal is to, to host the game, uh, host the semifinal, because that gives you a better chance of, of advancing to the final. So, you know, we've, we've accomplished all of our goals so far, and now, um, you know, we're focusing in on Chicago and, and playing playing much better at home than we did on the road. Well, of course, you, you had a couple of injuries that you were dealing with as well. Alyssa Nehar, your starting goalkeeper, of course, and Stephanie McCaffrey, uh, was going into the game then against Chicago, knowing that you would see them in a few more days in the playoffs. Was there was there any type of holding cards close to your chest for this game, or, or was the plan to still go out there and... and you know, play like it's any other game. No, we've we've approached, uh, we've tried to win every game, um, and we we saw that as a chance to to basically play for a trophy. And um, for whatever reasons, you know, we we had a really poor performance by a number of players, and and as a group, it wasn't really how we've been playing, how we've been successful. So, um, you know, I think it, it's you know we we hadn't seen Chris and Press here uh, in our first matchup, so it was good to get to see. Uh, see her there, and and with Alyssa Nair, you know that she's, you know, one of the best goalkeepers around. So it's going to be, um, you know, as expected, a, a very challenging and tightly, tightly played contest in the semifinal. Do you expect to have her back for your playoff game, Alyssa? Um, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm coaching against her, so. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ba- I expect her to be back. I hope not. But, uh, uh, you know, I think it's. Um, you know, every team in this league is good, and, and the, the balance of competition is is extremely high. And you know, you can go any game, any any time, any stadium, and, and the team can beat you. So, um, you know, our, our methodology this year is to, to try to win every game. And um, you know, there's going to be times where some players aren't available for selection, whether that's national team breaks or injuries or players coming back from injury, and it's not worth risking playing them. Um, to make sure that they're there available for the game that you really need to win. We're in a knockout phase now, so um, it's basically everybody that's available is, is going to be needed and uh, and hopefully called upon. All right, now let me redeem myself here a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a very important player on your team, of course, with Crystal Dunn. Uh, although some players played poorly, I mean, she had, especially right near the end of the first half, a run where she basically did a Diego Maradona making her way through the entire Chicago defense, almost scoring a goal there. How important is she going to be for you? Well, she's, she's very important. I mean, we coming into the season, um, being new to the club, I, I, I looked at her season last year and, um, I thought they relied an awful lot on her and I, I wanted to come in and give some, uh, give some support to her and have some other ways to score goals and, and other ways to play that, uh, are, less reliant on individuals and uh, I think we've done a good job of that and she's contributed 
greatly to that um, and then in the ways that she can, which is she's a difference maker. She scores goals and, you know, maybe not as many this year as she did last year, but she's also, she draws an enormous amount of attention for defending and, and tactically planning to play against us. And, uh, and I think she's got four or five assists this year. So, um, you know, she's, she's someone who we, uh, is a very, very big part of our attacking play and, um, you know, someone that, that allows other players to, to create and uh, score uh, just by being on the field. Coach, I- I'm curious, just to play devil's advocate for a second here, let's say you lose on Friday night. What is your takeaway then from this entire season? Since you didn't win the Shield and then you would get knocked out in the quote-unquote first round of the playoffs. Well, I, I look at it as our-, our goals are to win a championship. And, you know, that's that's the ultimate goal. And then we evaluate what we did in the regular season. We've already done that and we achieved every goal we had in front of us. And, uh, I'm, I'm not, that's not even my mind that we're losing on Friday. So I'm not, I can't answer that question because it's, we get a win, we get a home win. We, we only have one loss here all season. And, uh, you know, that was a poor performance. Um, I expect the team to come out firing and be in Houston on, on the ninth. And then we can evaluate whether we, we achieved our ultimate goal, which is to win a championship on the 10th. One of the things that you guys had the opportunity to have in that Chicago game, though, was the return of Estefane Benini, I'm sure, which is very exciting. Uh, she brings five goals now back onto your team and one assist. When you get her a player like that back just before the playoffs start, how important is that for your offense that has done a fairly good job of scoring from multiple different areas, but you bring on you know, one of your team's best goal scorers, your leading goal scorer, back right before the playoffs? Yeah, it's huge, and... Um you know, we were right on the edge of, of her return timetable, so uh, it was important for us to get her some minutes in Chicago rather than have her first minutes be in the semifinal. Um, and I thought she looked really good. She looked really sharp in training, and uh, she feels great, and she's glad to be back playing. And it, it's, you know, she brings a different style and a different type of play, but it, but she's done a great job this year of of um, playing the way we want to play and, uh, you know, a quick tempo and, um she's she had a really good run there where she was you know carrying us through the part of the season during the olympic break we didn't have national team players um that were involved in the olympics so it's been it's been great to have her back and and like you said it it adds one more scoring element to our to our attack that uh makes us more difficult to defend against you had mentioned Kristen press earlier and i do have to ask you i mean she's such an outstanding explosive player how do you handle her on friday night well, I mean, it's, you know, fast forwards are, uh, are difficult to deal with, but I think she's got great technical ability as well. So it's, uh, she's, she's someone who's very difficult to defend against. And I think, uh, you know, we've got to do a better job of, uh, preventing the transition attacks. Um, cause I think that's how she's most dangerous. So I think, you know, we've, we've looked at that in, in film and we've looked at it, uh, in training. So I think the, obviously the best way to, to defend against that is to deny the, the quick transition balls up to her. Um, where she's got lots of space to get in behind our back four. And, you know, the back four has to manage, you know, in this case, you know, there's two forwards up there, so they have to do a better job of managing that and staying connected and and, um, cutting out the passing lane so that she's got to come back and and get the ball in front of uh, our back line. 
One of the things we saw, at least when you were taking on Chicago this last weekend, you had a lot of the Ali Krieger-Kristen press battle going on, at least when Kristen got herself drawn to the outside. We know, obviously, that Ali is used to playing against her in training for the U.S. Women's National Team. Is that kind of a conversation you might have with Ali and say, hey, be more of a spy on Kristen since you're, you're more used to playing against her? Or are you going to just hope that your center backs are able to keep up with the speedy press? Uh, no, that's it, it's the entire back line to defend against Christian Press. You're never going to do it with one player. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get pulled all over the field. And actually, I thought Christian Press is, is tends to go to our left side more than than over to where Alley is. So it's not a conversation that we would have. It's, it's basically about how we defend as, as a group and how we defend as a team. And can we press teams and keep them in their half and and then manage the back line as a collective unit and. Um, and with our defensive midfielder, you know, deny them scoring chances. It's not. I think you, you can't really get too caught up in. Yeah, there's their, that's their best goal scorer. You know, how do we stop? I think it's more about how do you stop goals against no matter who you're playing. One final question here for you, Coach, before we let you run. Uh, there was an article that came out recently from a couple of different sources for the uh, for the upper players that should be called to the U.S. Women's National Team, and your midfielder, Christine Aaron, was one of the many names listed. When you hear about that being listed as a coach that sees her day in and day out, is she the type of player that you think does deserve to get back up into Jill Ellis' senior squad? Yeah, I think there's. I think every team probably has three to five of those players and and the wonderful thing about how the game the women's game in this country is evolving is that the league is becoming more important and your performance in the league is becoming more important and there's actually you know that carrot is actually a realistic thing out there for these players like you know i'll give ali long as an example who has toiled away for years and years with the goal of getting on the on the national team and and been one of the better players in 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 portland um you know, just as Christine Nairn has been really good here for Washington, uh, but those players now are actually going to see the tangible rewards of, of performing well in the league by being called in um, into the national team. Well, fantastic. Well, Coach, we wish you a very uh, best of luck when you take on the Chicago Red Stars on Friday, uh, September 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch the game on FS1. Coach, thank you so much for taking some time today, and we wish you the very best of luck, sir. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk Thanks, to you as Jim. well, Coach. Appreciate it. All right, we are going to head to another break. When we come back, we're going to go to our kick around. We were a little all over the place here in the show because we had some great interviews we had to get to, but some things taking place not only across the pond in England, some good, some bad, and some other things taking place as well, too. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. We'll be back with more right after this.
Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub here from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Connor Provan's uncle. <laughs> I actually understand the context of that. <laughs> Everyone's like, what are you talking about? Yes, if you don't know, I, I put out a thing on Facebook yesterday talking about how I do have a nephew playing at Sussex Hamilton who was coached by my, my oldest brother and also his dad. Uh, but it was funny, you know, growing up, my, my brothers were so skilled at the game that I honestly was very rarely called by my first name by people in the soccer community. I, and, and I'll admit to me, when I was younger, kind of got to me, but I was always uh, Steve's brother or Jake's brother or Josh's brother. And, you know, very rare, unless I was on the field with my teammates, rarely <laughs> do people call me Simon. Well, now, uh, you know, since Two Up Front's been pretty successful here, I've actually been known as Simon Proven, the guy that does Two Up Front with Baxter. <laughs> and, uh, well, Connor's been doing so well now. He's been in the papers so much, player of the week this week and that week, and named uh, the biggest scoring threat in the conference that he plays in. Well, I think about the last three or four days, at least one person has come up to me saying, hey, is, is Connor your son, or are you, are you Connor's uncle? <laughs> so, so I've moved on beyond Simon, and now, now at the other end of the spectrum of okay. being... Connor's not, uncle. Not the uncle, then. You're no longer a brother. You're just an uncle <laughs> now, right, I guess. Right. My goodness. And then when your daughters become famous, either actresses or soccer players, oh, you're your ex and Y's dad. Or yeah, you know what, though? It's it's different when it's your nephews or nieces or kids. And it's True. Like, yeah, that's, it's like, yeah, that's you're pretty right. awesome. Yeah, I am. Absolutely. Connor's a good kid, too. You know, he's, he's going to be playing at UW-Milwaukee. And uh, I, I couldn't be more pleased to be known as Connor Provan's uncle. So, well, there so there you go. Well, very excited. We want to remind all of you, of course, so that you can check us out on social media. We are live, so you can interact with the show in real time as well, too, by using the uh, going to Twitter and going to at 2 Soccer at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan as well, if you want to chat with us live. If you're listening on Spreaker, too, you can also go to the little chat section on the live show, and you can give us your comments as well, or thoughts, of course, about anything going on. All right, let's go to our kick-around segment here, Simon, because I know we're out of order, but we've had some great guys joining us on the shopfutsal.com. Mark Parsons and Jim Gavara joined us here in first and second segments. We're going to continue to talk about coaches. This is almost turning into a coaching show, I feel like. It's ridiculous. But good news, maybe, for U.S. uh, soccer fans that still are holding on to Bob Bradley. There's rumors that he is being linked to the Swansea City coaching job. He's already met with the head of Swansea City. But the catch is, Swansea hasn't even fired their manager yet. But they're already apparently looking for replacements. Well, there's a lot of pressure on Swansea because they are not performing well at all. And I think, you know, reading through this, Baxter, I think it actually is more than a rumor. It, it, it does sound like to me that Bradley has basically confirmed that he has met with the Swansea owners. Yes, and, and it, it makes official, sense. Yep. You know, it makes sense uh, for him. He's He's been known to take teams that are struggling a bit and rejuvenating them. I mean, you see what he did with the Egyptian national team. Almost yeah. almost carried uh, the, the League 2 club that he is Lahar. with in France. They're yep, in to, seventh uh, right now. Um, but of course, what he did in the, uh, where was it? Was it Norway or was it Sweden? I always get confused because those leagues sound the same, the Scandinavian countries. But, know. anyways, he, he got a league from a uh, team. Tipper League? Yeah. Is that what it was? I think it was Sweden, though. I want to say Sweden. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, he, he gets the team promoted and they, it's basically the weakest team, financially speaking, and keeps them up in the league. And not only that, he gets them to uh, to the Europa League the year after that. So it makes sense that Swansea, who's owned by Americans, yep. would reach out to Bob Bradley. Quite frankly, I think he deserves it. I, I'm I not agree. saying he deserves to be at a Manchester United, but no, but no, no, but, no. but, but he, here's a coach getting results and he, basically getting ignored by these bigger clubs. So I. 
to me, it makes sense. Well, because a lot of coaches or a lot of clubs look at Americans and they're like, oh, what do you know? Absolutely. So that's a big, if you want to talk about discrimination in soccer, there's a big one right now is that Americans don't know anything about soccer, which I would somewhat agree with, but not in this regards. Bob Bradley, he's a seasoned coach. He's been all around the world. He knows what he's doing. He's been to the World Cup with the national team, and he's almost got another one there, as you mentioned, too. But yeah, as you mentioned, Swansea right now, they're 17th in the Premier League. They haven't won a game all season. Why not at this point? I mean, bring in a new guy, bring in someone that has no Premier League experience and just let him dabble. Why not right. at this point, you uh, know? Right. And, and by the way, it was uh, Norwegian side Stabæk, so I was wrong. It wasn't Sweden, it was Norway. Okay. Uh, but here, here's the kicker, Baxter. Obviously, if you don't know, Swansea is actually a Welsh team that yes. plays in the Premier League. Uh, they're also interviewing Ryan Giggs, yeah. who of course is a great Welsh, uh, former Welsh player. So but do you, you want that kind of job, though? I don't know if he'd want the Swansea job. He I had, think he, he would basi- love it. He basically had the United job, aside from Jose Mourinho. Well, he's assistant. I mean, I think anytime you can jump up from assistant to head coach, you take whatever job sub- comes yeah. your way. That that's still, I mean, it's still a Premier League club. Oh yeah, no, I I would agree with that. If I were Ryan Giggs, though, I would be hard pressed to say, you know what, I like my position at United because I think number one, I'm probably getting paid very well. I'm probably getting treated like royalty still because I'm one of the most hallowed players in team history. I don't care if I'm an assistant coach. He probably gets paid really well and still gets to play with world class players on the training pitch and work with them instead of a struggling team that can't even put the ball in the back sure. of the net. Sure, and, and I totally get that, but when you're sitting in the shadow of David Moyes, uh, LVG, and now Jose Mourinho, mm-hmm. I'm looking at that saying, I want to get out of the shadow because I want to lead my own club. So. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to lead Swansea. <laughs> Personally, I'd be like, mm, I'm good with United. I'll stay here for a while and be an assistant. Uh, speaking of other things taking place in England, though, Simon, uh, Big Sam, Sam Allardyce, the England manager, has apparently been put under investigation by the FA because of him saying that he can be bought, apparently, or he uh, he knows a way to get around the rules on player transfers and He was talking to some undercover reporters, and uh, he finds himself in a bit of hot water while he's barely been with the team for maybe, I think it's been two months, I think, total. 67 days. My goodness. One game. And he's already been in in trouble. What do you make of all this chaos with Sam Allardyce? Well, it doesn't surprise me in some way. Uh, I think ultimately, here's the thing, the English have to get over... And pardon me if you're an English fan listening to this, but but they have to get over their arrogance that they need an English manager. So it doesn't matter if this is going on or not. It doesn't have to be an English manager. We've talked before on the show. Yeah. Sven Goran Eriksson led them farther in the World Cup than they were in a long time. Fabio Capello, Italian. Yeah. Leads them to a decent place in the World Cup as well. Now, as England, you always want to win the World Cup. I get that. But... You don't have English managers leading these teams to the promised land. Mm-hmm, exactly. I'm surprised we haven't seen a Jose Mourinho or a Pep Guardiola at the national team level for, for an England team that is so desperate to win again. I don't know if that would work, but it would be interesting to see. They're yeah. Bo- they're both yeah. already in England already. They probably know the players and the system fairly well. You know, well, I, I just I wonder about Jose Mourinho, though, because, look, he didn't do well with Chelsea last year. He's not doing that great with Manchester United. Has has the game suddenly, surprisingly passed him by a bit, or has his tactics of the way he works with players, uh, you know, is that the problem? I don't know. I don't know if Jose Mourinho is is the right type of coach for mm-hmm. a national team. I think he's more of a club coach. Yeah, I would I would have to I probably agree with you on that one too. You you always wonder with some of those big guys what they're capable of doing 
at the highest level, I feel like. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, like our Wenger said today, is you got to give Big Sam a chance to clear his name first mm-hmm. of all. You know, these are allegations. You, we got to find out the whole story before you jump the gun. Do I think he should be suspended or something like that? I don't know. I don't know enough details of it. I don't think anybody knows enough details of it. You got to... You got to have that investigation. And that's usually what happens. Make sure you let us know your thoughts about Big Sam and Bob Bradley, of course, on Twitter, 2UpFront, or at 2UpFrontSoccer, pardon me, and at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about coaching, but uh, for a good thing, though. Atlanta United, they've named their coach, and uh, some possible teams that might need coaches as well with MLS expansion, among other things. We'll be right back. You're listening to 2UpFront, presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan, we want to take a quick minute, though, to thank our presenting sponsor, Three Lines Pub, for their support. Uh, If you're in the Milwaukee area and you love soccer, why not head down? They've got some more featured games coming up this week, don't they? They sure do. Uh, Well, today... Let's see, this game will kick off in about an hour. They've got, of course, some live Champions League action. Oh, yeah. Uh, on Sunday, though, is the big one. Tottenham versus Man City, 8.14 a.m. for that one. So a little bit earlier than last week's featured match, but it's still worth getting up for going to the pub, getting yourself a great pint and some great English food. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that one. A very special thanks to Three Lines Pub and Red Line Pub for their support of Two Up Front, and make sure to go and check out those games if you're in the Milwaukee area this weekend or if you want to make a trip to Milwaukee either as well. You know, one of the other things too is uh, obviously we, we talk football in the sense of soccer on the show, but Three Lions Pub is also a great place to check out some American football. Yeah. So, you know, you want to head down there on, on Sundays, Sunday nights, Monday nights, Thursday. I think the NFL plays almost every night of the week now. Basically. <laughs> so, if there's so, money for it, might as well. So it's always a great atmosphere there as well. It's it's not everybody speaking with an English accent. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but <laughs> but check out the, uh, the American football atmosphere over at Three Lions Pub and Red Line Pub as well. All right. Let's move into MLS as we have the official... Coach announcement for Atlanta United FC, Simon's new favorite colored team. He loves the colors. He's already gotten an Atlanta United FC tattoo. I don't know where you come up with this stuff sometimes. I just repeat what you tell me. That's all I say. I promise. I speak no no weird things. I promise. Either well, way, though. It's only fair, though, too, have you, you've talked about you love that they ripped off the Avengers A for their logo oh as well. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. Anyways. <laughs> Either way, so Geraldo Tata Martino has been named the first ever head coach of Atlanta United FC, the Argentinian man, immediately making this Atlanta United team under... 
immense pressure. Well, here's the thing. He's talked about how he likes to play with immense pressure. Yeah. And you wonder, you know, this is this is a club that so far is doing things right off the field. Yeah, we're not a big fan of them playing on artificial turf, just like I'm not a fan of my Timbers playing on artificial sure, turf. Sure. But But it is what it is. You just wonder, in this type of league, can you, in the first year, come out of the gate and put high pressure on other teams and expect to have any type of lead, much less any type of victories? I... Well, it all depends because so far Atlanta United, I think, has done a fantastic job with how they've gone about doing everything. I mean, they've they've already signed a couple of good players as well too. They've got Kenwin Jones among others, and they're working on a couple other bigger international players. And just the, the the structure of the of the organization seems to be going in the right direction. But we know Arthur Blank as a whole does a great job when it comes to building up a sports franchise, as we saw with the Falcons. I don't know though, and we've we've seen this consistently. Foreign coaches struggling immensely in MLS. I hope that he goes the smart way and brings a lot of season MLS coaching veterans onto his staff. Otherwise, Atlanta is going to be lucky if they get even above seventh place in the East next well, year. I agree. I, I don't honestly. I, I don't see them making the playoffs. I think MLS is too big of a league now, where where you can expect expansion teams to. Make the playoffs, even perhaps make a run at the playoffs. Maybe year two, year three, you can expect that. But look, they've done it right, as you had had mentioned. They got Carlos Bocanegra in there already. So they have somebody with MLS knowledge, MLS experience, who's going to help Martino a great deal as he starts to learn this league that has so many incredibly Mm -hmm. odd rules, not just... Uh, game day rule. Well, not really that much order. game day rules, but but all player signings, how you can sign them. It's not a salary cap. Discovery it's a salary players. budget. Tam money. Gam. <laughs> There's all sorts of ams so, and you I know, don't even know. So thankfully, Atlanta has somebody like Carlos to navigate those waters for Martino. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that one. You do have to wonder now how long until Minnesota officially announces their coach and even LAFC as well. Because both of those teams, I mean, we know that LAFC haven't signed anybody yet as well. They just broke ground on their what's going to be gorgeous stadium. Minnesota, we haven't really heard much. We've heard a couple of different things floated for them. We've heard they're going to try to bring some of their NASL squad with them up to MLS, which is a little surprising, but at the same time, maybe a smart move because they've been doing pretty well at NASL. Well, Seattle did it when they weren't in MLS. Yeah. When they came to MLS, they, they kept some players on. Um, Philadelphia did it, of course. Uh, and they Well, they didn't have a... NASL team, but they they got players from yep. what was then I think USL D two or USSF D two whatever it was some weird was some weird yeah. thing at that time. Uh, so teams have done that before. My question for you, Baxter, yes, is do we see LAFC have the first female head coach in the league in Mia Hamm? Well, that it all depends on how soon they want to get their NWSL team up. I feel like because we've heard that they want to get the NWSL team. I think obviously Mia Hamm knows both leagues exceptionally well because she's been around U.S. soccer forever it seems like I think it would be intriguing if Mia Hamm did it but I think she has more to offer to the women's game because MLS they're established they know what's going on NWSL everybody's hoping and praying that they can continue to grow they've got the great base but I think Mia would serve the women's game better than she would the men's game. And it would take away from what LAFC is trying to do because all the storylines would be like, the first female coach, the first female, the first female Well, I th- actually, I don't think that takes away from what they're trying to do. I, I think, think it, it ad- distracts from what they're trying to no, do I th- on the I, field. I think it adds to it. Yes. Because they're saying, look, we're, we're a big club and we're going to make a huge statement here. Yeah, and, know? I, and, I, and I agree with you on that one, but I, I can see so many people losing their minds if they don't make the playoffs be like, wow. Because we have a women coach. She's never, I she's never played I, yeah. in the league. I don't she doesn't ag- know I don't, what it's like. I don't think people would 
I want I want to give this country more credit than that. I actually don't think people would react to that. If if we're talking about Atlanta not making the playoffs in their first year with yeah. Martino at the helm and people being okay with that, then mm-hmm. they sure as well be better be okay with uh it, you know this is all hypothetical, but a Mia Ham led LAFC not making the playoffs. Yes, no, I I would agree with you on that one too. But I think both of them because one's a foreign coach, one's a female. I think the scrutiny would still be very high because, well, Martino doesn't know the league and Mia never played in the league and she did so much for the women's game. Why is she trying to make a statement in the men's league? I can see, I can see, I'm trying to play the devil's advocate, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I can see the negativity of how stupid Twitter is and how stupid people well, are Well, again, yeah, I mean, what foreign coach, you know, I shouldn't ask what foreign coach, but foreign coaches have been known to just fall flat on their face yeah. in this league because they they don't understand the... The, the little rules that you have to mm-hmm. that you have to work around or work with. I'd agree. No, I completely agree. One other thing, I'm curious to get your your thoughts about this because I feel like it doesn't go by without a week or two where we don't hear about some huge European star being rumored to come to MLS at some point. Gerard Piquet from Barcelona has hinted that he would be interested in a future move to MLS as everybody would once he's 85 and can barely walk again. Do you give this any sort of do you do you take any grain of salt from this, or are you just like Look, these, these statements? You know, Ronaldo said back in two thousand five that he'd be interested in yeah. playing in MLS. You know, all these all these guys. I don't know if I said that right. MLS. All these all these guys come out and say this. They're either using it as a bargaining chip, or a reporter has asked them, "Hey, would you ever be interested yeah. in playing in MLS?" And, that's and their response what is, it "Well, is. yeah, when I'm older." Most so, of these guys will never come straight out and be like, "You know what, MLS." I'm right. going next Which year. Which I don't blame them for that. No, but no well, why I, would you? Why I, would you give up millions and millions of dollars right. to come well, play in MLS? It, to answer your question directly, no. I take nothing from that comment whatsoever. Will he play here someday? Sure. I, I believe that maybe he will. But it, by that point, I don't care. Yeah. One other question I'm curious to get your thoughts about. New England striker Kai Kamara admits he was very surprised about getting booed when he was playing in the Revs jersey in Columbus. He's like, I've done so much for this city. I mean, I took him to an MLS Cup. Why are you booing me? What you, so what so you, what's your question? I, I, what do you make of it? Is it ridiculous or is it just funny I, or what? I think it's funny. For the fact that he was surprised people booed him after the way that he did leave. I Granted, he was traded. Was but it, was his, it wasn't maybe his fault that he got moved, though. No, I think it was his fault. He wouldn't, he wouldn't take responsibility for what he said. He wouldn't. Now, listen, I'm not saying in and of itself that that's a bad thing. But for what happened yeah. and, and him to continue on and say, no, I, I, sh- I should have taken that penalty. I should have taken that penalty. Okay, then, then he becomes a cancer to the locker room, so bye-bye. Yeah. You know, they send him off. It was because of his actions that he got traded. So, no, I'm not surprised <laughs> that he got booed, and, and I think it's funny that he was surprised. Yeah, Kai Kamara, he was saying, he said, come on, you make so many sacrifices for an organization to really boost it, but hey, if I can bring some life to the stadium for once in the season, why not? So he kind of got a little backhanded. Well, like, there you go. And yeah. then he's wondering why he's getting booed. Exactly. He's like, it hurt. It hurts to feel something like that. I, the first day I stepped into the, the, this club here, I did a lot for things, for the people. Uh, you know, they say, for Columbus, us, and that's what I did. So to feel like you're not us and the sacrifices that you made to help build something into a fortress, which I don't know if it's a fortress unless it's USA, Mexico, uh, to take it to the top, which they did last season and to get the reception just kind of shows it all. So he's kind of, well, he was a little upset, I guess, usually when you treating him. When you build a fortress, you don't lose there in the championship game. True. Which Columbus did. That is true. Kai Kamara didn't do very much in the uh, MLS championship game, that's for sure. I- I'm curious now, too. I think it really hit me how close the playoffs are when three of the six Eastern Conference teams 
book their ticket this Absolutely. weekend. I was like, oh, okay, we're close now. Oh, my goodness. Red Bulls, TFC, and NYCFC all have 48 points, all booked their playoff tickets this last weekend. And now it's really setting in, I feel like, about how close we are down the stretch and just how much pressure there is on teams. Well, in the it's East. it's either how close we are, Baxter, or just how bad the East continues both. to be. It's very it's much of both because you look at the, now. Now I, I'm not I'm not saying the entire East is bad, but mo- it, no, it's kind of like the of Premier is. League here. You have you have three teams that are very strong in the East: the Red Bulls, Toronto FC, and yeah. New York City FC. But the rest of the East. Oh, exactly. And if you look at it too, they're not even. They wouldn't even be considered the best teams in the Western Conference either, too, because FC Dallas, Colorado, and LA all have equal, if not more, points than the three best teams in the Eastern Conference. I would still stand by the fact that I think FC Dallas would run through any of the top teams. I think in the in the playoffs, not necessarily right now. I, no, I don't agree with that. Not right now. They are not playing that well. Um, they're kind of a wounded bull right now. Yeah, and I, I think. Uh, Toronto FC would be able to beat them. I think the Red Bulls would be able to beat them. Listen, with the way David Villa is playing, mm-hmm. I think New York City... Have, I mean, su- surprising that after Lampard goes down, the Baby Blues still play fantastic. Well, so they I, played Chicago, so there's only that much that you can really sure, say. Sure, sure, but they, uh, that was a very dominant performance against Chicago, though. It was. No, I completely um, agree. I, w- listen, again, with the way that FC Dallas is playing right now, I... I had predicted way back when they were when they were playing fantastic that they'd do the trouble this year, but I'm not so sure about that anymore. Well, they still got the points at least for it right now. They're four points clear of or five points clear, pardon me, of any team in MLS at but, the moment. But the Rapids can still catch. No, they can't anymore. Never mind. That'd mm. be two games, six points. That'd be, yes, they can. Yep. fifty four. So the I don't think the Rapids will, but the Rapids no. could catch them. They could. They certainly could. We'll have to see what all transpires. We're going to go to our final break. When we come back, it'll be time for our MLS Power Rankings and our closing thoughts. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back with more right after this. Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, we move into the final segment of our show. We've had a fantastic show today. Special thanks to Jim Gabara and Mark Parsons of the Washington Spirit and Portland Thorns, respectively, joining us in our first and second segments on the shopfutsal.com line. Coming up on Thursday's show, we talk to Coach Rory and we talk to Coach Paul Riley of Chicago and Western New York Flash to conclude our small four-part series of talking to all the 
playoff coaches before they play their games. What an awesome time, though, to be on two up front talking to all these gentlemen. Yeah. You know, just, just fantastic and uh, really excited that the, NWSL, the NWSL's playoffs are here, talking about playoffs in our last segment. Yep. And we're going to see two fantastic semifinals, Baxter. And, of course, I didn't say it on the air. I wanted to be professional with, with Mark, but of course. you know that I'm a Thorns fan. Yes, of course. It's and, very uh, obvious. Uh, last week we i had made a double i believe prediction in that they would win mm-hmm. the shield which they did and i still very strongly believe not just because they're the thorns but with the where the way they're playing with how spread out their offense is and that they can attack from any place that they want i still see them winning the uh, nwsl championship game hmm. interesting all right let's head over to our mls power rankings uh first time in a long time that simon and actually and i actually agree on something we have the exact same five teams in the exact same five locations uh i'll be honest after one and two i really don't care because two through five is just such a toss-up through most yeah, of these mls yes, teams yes. so i mean yeah, th- really at this point, you could almost throw Columbus in there, who's on a two-game win yeah. streak, which who we don't have. New England won three out of their last four games. I know as soon That's as right. I put them in last week, I said, now they're going to lose, and they did. But still, they've won three out of their last four. And, and granted, it was at Columbus, but DC, <laughs> funny enough, yeah. Columbus, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing well, but they're still not... They're not going to make the playoffs. No, yeah. there's, too much, there's too much in front of them. They would have to... Mm, yeah, well, they've got a game in hand on a couple of the teams ahead of them, so that might... They've got two games on hand on New England. So there's a possibility. I'm saying there's a chance, but I don't know. D.C. United continues to be a thorn in the Eastern Conference Well, that's, side. that's something I was going to say is I, I had contemplated putting D.C. Yeah. in these power rankings as well. A draw with the Red Bulls at New York. That Huge. was big. And that was a few weeks ago. Or uh, Chicago. At Chicago. They yeah. draw with Chicago. Now, listen. Chicago's not that great of a team, but they do play well at home. Even if they don't get the results, they play well at home. And then they get that win, that huge win against Orlando, mm-hmm. four to one. So it was hard not to put DC in these power rankings, but I think we both knew as soon as we would, they'd lose their next game. Exactly. So maybe we should have put them in so they can lose, so that when New England can get into the playoffs, I that, that's all on you, Baxter. Yeah, all on oh, you. Oh yes, one hundred percent my fault or something. I I don't even know. So. We both have the the LA Galaxy at number five. They sit in third place in the Western Conference. They lost four to two to the Seattle Sounders in a thrashing by Jordan Morris and Nicholas Ladero and Alonzo and everybody for Seattle was like, "We're a good team again." Woo! Well, and here's the thing: is people may say, "Okay, you're putting LA at number five after they lose." But let's face it, you had them at number two last week. I had them at number three. And and yes, they lost, but... I think it's a fair it's, spot. It's not like they've been losing all their... I mean, that was their first loss in, what, seven games or Something so? Like and that, and yeah. within those games, they had a couple wins. The rest were draws. So, LA Galaxy, still, at the end of the day, you put them up against a lot of these other teams. Yeah. I still sense that they would win. I would agree. No, I completely agree with you on that one. All right, number four is Sporting Kansas City. What? I don't know what to do with Sporting Kansas City. They are in fifth place in the Western Conference, 43 points, 12, 12, and 7. I... Hey, they beat San Jose 2-1 to one in San Jose. They yeah. had to travel, you know, halfway across the country to do that. Just before that, a couple of draws. I'm sure they'll end up losing their next game, but Probably. but for this week, we're talking about power rankings, and they're one of the better teams. Yeah, I'd agree. They would not win a first-round playoff game, I don't think. 
or win a series if they got into an actual playoff series, I don't feel like. They're just not that good this season. Exactly, yes. Uh, number three for us is the Seattle Sounders. They have jumped immensely in the power rankings. They weren't even in them last week. They're still three points out of the red line in the Western Conference behind the Portland Timbers. But they have plenty of games in hand. They do. They have two, on Portland at least. Jordan Morris is... Uh, He's the player that everybody was hoping for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soccer America had a nice article or a nice uh, op-ed about how he's made all the right decisions so far in his career, which is an interesting read, so check that out. I don't know why I'm plugging Soccer America. It's not like they sponsor us, but maybe they should. Anyways, uh, of course, you have Lodero playing well. Him and Alonzo in the midfield yeah. are a fantastic Tearing combination. Um, of course, Stefan Fry gives up a couple of goals, but nevertheless... They beat LA four to two just you know before their their two games before that before that second goal exactly right so so yeah Seattle is is looking like the team that's going to make that jump over the red line and keep the Timbers out the MLS Cup champions Timbers may not even make the playoffs Mm. we'll have to see Toronto FC is our number two team uh, one of the two Eastern one of the three Eastern Conference teams to book a ticket this last weekend they're 13 eight and nine overall on the season they've only lost twice at home this year which I think is very impressive they've gotten they've, they've got 48 total points they're taking 1.6 points per game which is the best in the east even though they're in second place but there's the weird goal difference and all that other BS that's why they're in second place technically I feel like yeah sure you know in their last 11 games they've only lost once. Not they, bad. They've been doing this without Javinko, not all 11 games, but four or five of them. Yeah. Uh, he may be coming back. What a Talk time about for him to come back. Yeah. What a time for them to come back. What a time to potentially maybe steal the shield. Very possibly. Maybe. With the way FC Dallas is playing right now, I, I don't see them winning the shield. Yeah, that would be very intriguing. The only they way they do is, is because of the cushion that they've built for themselves yes. so by, at the end they've of the season They've got a five-point cushion, yeah. Right. That's the only way... They could successfully grab that. All right, and finally, our number one team, of course, again, is the New York Red Bulls. 13 wins, 11 of those at home this year. Their away record bothers me, especially come playoff time. But they're an incredibly good team. They're very well coached. Bradley Wright Phillips, Sasha Kleshton, Luis Robles. The team knows what they're doing. Well, and here's the thing. When they're at home, they score lots of goals. Yeah. And they're not giving up a ton on the road. So that's, you know, in these two-legged series, mm-hmm. that's going to play huge into how they do in the postseason. Uh, but look, they haven't lost. We put them at number one. They haven't lost, as you said, in 13 games. You can't knock them down from that. I did think that they would put more of a beating on Montreal. They only won 1-0. Yeah, only 1-0. A little, a little underwhelming. Montreal somehow is still in the playoffs. But I guess, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips, he can't score every game. He should. He really should. I don't know. So our power rankings, one more time for you. L.A., Sporting, Seattle, TFC, and the Red Bulls, 5 through 1, respectively. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. Simon, any final thoughts for you this week before we wrap it up? Uh, Just interesting that the commissioner of MLS is going to be heading down to Cincinnati to talk possible expansion down there. I don't get it, Baxter. I know Cincinnati's doing fantastic, but it's been one season. You got Sacramento Republic. I, maybe it's because of the the map of the league that Garber just doesn't want another California team. But that looks like an organization to me that's a winning organization. They yep. have stadium plans in place. The city wants to work with them on that. I love the fact. So don't let this take away from the fact that I love seeing the huge success in FC Cincinnati. Yeah. And, and Cincinnati being in the league, yes, it's a small TV market, but you build an instant rivalry. 
with Columbus Crew, which I think they need. They need somebody to go in there and rattle them up a little bit. That battle for Ohio, as it were, kind of a thing. So we have had a fantastic show today. We appreciate head coach of the Portland Thorns, Mark Parsons, for joining us, and Washington Spirit head coach Jim Gabra as well. We talked a lot about a different things today. We were here, we were there, we were in England, we were in Atlanta. We were in Sacramento for a brief moment in Cincinnati. We'd love to know your thoughts, of course. You can find us all over the place, but importantly, you can find us on our website by going to twoupfrontsoccer.com, and you can find the show on Tuesdays and Thursdays live from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time on Spreaker and On Demand. If you miss the live show, go and subscribe on iTunes. Find us on iHeartRadio, Vavil USA, and the Sports Podcasting Network as well. Check us out on Facebook, Two Up Front. Check us out on Twitter, at Two Up Front Soccer. You can check out our own Twitter feeds, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Proven, and folks, if you have not tuned in to the NWSL at all this season, we are not getting paid to say this. Check out the playoff games. September 30th, Washington takes on the Red Stars. That is on Fox Sports 1. That game is at 7 o'clock Central. Baxter, the other game, is on Sunday, October 2nd, if I'm looking at this date that right. That is correct. That is, uh, well, can I say my Portland Thorns? Oh, sure, of course you can. Taking on the Western New York Flash. We didn't talk about much today. We'll talk about them more in the next show, yep. but 4-0 thrashing on Boston Breakers. So two great semifinal games to check out in the NWSL. Absolutely. He is Simon Proven. I am Baxter Colburn. Thanks so much for joining us with our manager being the one above. We are two up front. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.